Hello. Welcome to the podcast. So this is officially episode one on day one of January 2024. And this is actually take two <laughs> because uh, my first attempt, I had so many background noise going on. So I tried again and hopefully this one um, turns better than the first attempt. Anyways, so again, welcome to the show. My name is Marwan. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a little bit of a tongue twister <laughs> if you're not from my neck of the woods. But anyways, this is my new show. This is uh, the Curators Podcast. Well, I have I've decided to just give it a go. Uh, last year, like maybe six months ago, and uh, decided to just go ahead with it like today, basically, right? It's an experiment. I'm going to try to just share my interests, uh, tell you guys like everything that I like and what, uh, what goes on in my head, basically. So just a little bit of like background i'm like really into reading and books i read a lot of fiction and non-fiction basically i'm mostly reading non-fiction but um my interests are really wide like a mile wide and like maybe a couple of inches uh deep in a few subjects anyways we'll just discuss that later on if we keep this experiment going that is but in any ways, I decided to just give it a go. It's the first day of the year, like uh, uh, literally like uh, a new beginning. So this experiment is going to just uh, launch right now. And I'm going to get us started with one of my favorite books I read last year. And it's the Ayn Rand Atlas Shrugged. So, uh, back in 2023, I've uh, managed to read a lot of books. If you follow me on Goodreads, and uh, like not many people do, <laughs> because not many people like the app of Goodreads, but those who do, uh, you would know that I've uh, actually read, managed to read uh, 100 books last year. So, yeah, that's a lot. I know that. And my new resolution for this year, 2024, is I'm not going to get any new books, okay? I'm not going to get any pop books, any pop culture books, any new box, books from the authors that I like, or any of the such, okay? I'll just, just, I'll just keep reading whatever I have, and I have a lot of books still on the shelf. Any book lover will know what I'm talking about. Like you get like five or six books at a time and you manage to read maybe one and the rest are just waiting and like you're basically <laughs> you're basically you go into a bookshop or go to Amazon and you just like get like five, six, eleven books <laughs> and you manage to read maybe one or two at a time. So you actually have a lot waiting on your to read list and um, I'm, I'm, I fall in the, into this category, 
So, not getting any new books. I hope. And uh, this is uh, my New Year's resolution. And we'll just keep it at, at that. All right. So, anyways. Um, last year, uh, 2023. It's really good to say just last year now, right? 2023 was just hard on everybody. It was on me. Actually, the past three years since like the, the pandemic, uh, COVID-19 and all that BS, just like it totaled a lot of people emotionally and mentally. And I hope that 2024 is a new year that we can all recover from the effects and ramifications of whatever happened to all of us in the past three years. So fresh start, let's get it going. And we'll just try to keep a positive note. It, it really doesn't help to just um, stay pessimistic about how your life is going to be. Optimism is just a driver for action. And if you hope that things will get better, it will drive you to try new things, try to do uh, new things, take take on new projects like this podcast and uh, do other things that interest you in the hope of just one of those days you're going to you're going to stumble upon something that's really interesting that opens up um, one or two new opportunities for you and somehow you're going to just find your stride and um, basically get over whatever just set you back in the past year. So in the hopes of uh, doing that, I'm just hoping that 2024 is just like the best year for all of us. So again, uh, back in 2023, I was just uh, going into the phase of trying to go through like um, as many classics as I could and I have to say that the best the best book I've read all year was Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged so it was the the very first time that I read this book I've known of of Ayn Rand I think uh, she's like the best the favorite author for a lot of uh, really like powerful thinkers and uh, uh, business people. I believe that Peter Thiel uh, is one of uh, one of her admirers. Like, and it's like one of those things that you hear about a lot, and like you you're just itching to read it at one of those days and just figure out what why every uh, like a lot of people think it's like something great uh, it uh, it helped that my friend Nikki just told me that uh, she loves Ayn Rand and she had like uh, she told me like you must you must read like The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged I read Atlas Shrugged I'm still waiting for uh, uh, like The Fountainhead to just get in line after like after you read Atlas Shrugged you kind of need a a break you know because it's a lot to process and actually it's a very long book I've I've listened to it on audiobook for like 
two weeks straight like i did nothing else it's like the the audiobook is like 62 hours long and i had to just like i uh, read it or listened to it basically which is uh, i consider it the same thing on my morning and evening commutes back and uh, to and back from work and it was like engrossing like I, I couldn't put it down like um, I would be like doing something on a lunch break um, just walking like uh, going up and downstairs like doing whatever and I'll have my um, earbuds in my ear and I'd be just listening to the to the story listening to the book just listening to Ayn Rand's philosophy and it's it's really powerful so I would say that Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged is undoubtedly the best book I've read all year in 2023. It's just beyond beyond a regular novel. It's it's not just a novel, it's not a book, it's not just a simple work of fiction. It's a deep work of philosophy and it's it, it it pushes you into introspection like like you have to investigate yourself uh, like you have to dive really deep um, in the core of your own beliefs and extract the essence of what you truly value about yourself mostly and also what you what you value um, about the world so I believe that, like it's 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 like one of those uh, works of of fiction that you really you really know, like you immediately know that if you've read this this book like years before, like it it would have made your mind like on a different level. I kind of I kind of regret that I just read it recently, to be quite honest. Anyway, so. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to just uh, give you a little bit of like a quick uh, explanation of or just like a, a bit of a synopsis about Ayn Shrugged. So the main character is uh, the heir of a main railway station, uh, sorry, railway company, railroad company. It's called uh, Tagger Transcontinental. And her name is Dagny Taggart. And the other main character is Hank. Oh, it's Henry. Uh, but he's known as Hank Reardon. And Hank Reardon is just one big, uh, powerful industrialist. Uh, you may call, you may like uh, say he is the. Elon Musk or Peter Thiel of like um, the era uh, discussed in this book I cannot figure out like when exactly it's supposed to be like um, maybe um, uh, all the time I was reading this book I was just seeing like Art Deco uh, buildings Art Deco uh, uh, vehicles like uh, uh, maybe the 20s the 40s uh, like uh, clothes and attire and so on 
So I was just like having a, a bit of a retro uh, movie running in my head as a, I was listening to this book. And so uh, these two people, like it's, uh, they are uh, the two main characters, but the is essence of the book and actually the first <laughs> the first line of the book it's uh, who is John Gold which is the first line of the book and it encapsulates the whole entire philosophy of Ayn Rand like in this simple sentence it's so powerful it's a mesmerizing piece of writing that once you uh, go through with it it's just like takes over your your entire mind basically it's it's a, it's an entire experience for your consciousness to be quite honest who is john gold if you said this line if you read it anywhere it immediately immediately brings to mind atlas shrugged and all the uh, all the ideals, all the values, um, all the philosophy that is in, in, encapsulated in this sentence. Jean Gault is the main character. It is the underlying character of everything that goes through uh, with this book, which you actually... The thing is, you don't even uh, like read his part uh, in the story until like act three part three of the book it's really at the, at the end like um, uh, the last act of the of the novel where you really go into john galt and his uh, basically it's it's the part where iron Rand just goes on to like this lengthy uh, rant so to speak about capitalism the entire book is like a major advocate for capitalism and like it derides and just like uh, it makes communism and totalitarianism like uh, sound like uh, the work of the devil which is mainly why I'm going to just uh, read you this part uh, which is like uh, the best part, I believe, uh, out of Atlas Shrugged, it is the money speech. The money speech, uh, as told by the, the main character, also like a major, major character that you like instantly fall in love with as you read the book, uh, Francisco Danconia. And he's like this uh, wealthy playboy, like uh, adventurer like super smart person who is like hiding uh, his uh, high values high intellect beyond beyond this like facade of like the, the playboy which is like really interesting i will like you must read the book if you haven't already but what i found like you know, completely powerful uh, is the money speech which is about the value of money and also like the big uh, John Gold rant at the end of the book, but the John Gold rant is like really, really long. It's like, it takes like, <laughs> it would take hours for a person to read through it. But the money speech is just like, uh, uh, 
as short and succinct as much as uh, necessary, basically, for you to understand what Ayn Rand thinks of the word money and the value that it represents, which was fascinating to me and uh, truly educational on so many levels. So I'm going to just uh, start reading and I'm going to uh, uh, just comment uh, through the reading about my favorite parts. It's not just like I'm going, I'm not going to read you like an audiobook. I'm going to emphasize like uh, the best parts that I, I liked about this money speech. Okay, so let me just uh, set the stage here. Uh, uh, this money speech goes uh, goes on at a wedding party. It was Jim Taggart uh, trying to uh, get married to the shop girl. And at the wedding, just like Francisco D'Anconia just crashed the wedding, basically. And like there was this like... Uh, uh, journalist uh, who was just like uh, talking to one of the ladies at the party and he told her basically don't let him disturb you you know money is the root of all evil and he's the typical product of money okay so that just like he poked the bear basically he like just like it irked Francisco D'Anconia like so much that he just like threw away his like a uh, facade, like his uh, uh, the mask that he wore as the like this uh, playboy uh, who cares about nothing, who chases women and drinks and uh, like wastes time and goes through like these like uh, uh, great like uh, mystical parties of like uh, great renown. But he's just like he had to just like throw away the mask and he showed his real face and through the character through through francisco ayn Rand goes on like a, a a bit of a rant about the value of money and i'm going to just get through to that because i really loved a lot of parts in this uh, in this section So, so you think that money is the root of all evil, said Francisco D'Anconia. Have you ever asked what is the root of money? Money is a tool of exchange, which can't exist unless there are goods produced and men able to produce them. Money is the material shape of the principle that men who wish to deal with one another must deal by trade and give value for value. Money is not the tool of the moochers who claim your product by tears or the looters who take it from you by force. Money is made possible only by the men who produce. Is this what you consider evil? When you accept money in payment for your effort, you do so only on the conviction that you will exchange it for the product of the effort of others. It is not the moochers or the looters who give value to, to money. 
not an ocean of tears, not all the guns in the world can transform those pieces of paper in your wallet into the bread that you will need to survive tomorrow. Those pieces of paper, which should have been gold, are a token of honor. Your claim upon the energy of the men who produce. Your wallet is your statement of hope that somewhere in the world around you, there are men who will not default on that moral principle, which is the root of money. Is this what you call what you consider evil? Have you ever looked for the root of production? Take a look at an electric generator and dare tell yourself that it was created by the muscular effort or of unthinking brutes. Try to grow seed of wheat without the knowledge left to you by men who had to discover to discover it for the first time. Try to obtain your food by means of nothing but physical motions, and you'll learn that man's mind is the root of all the goods produced and of all the wealth that has ever existed on earth. Wow, so powerful. But you say that money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. That strength, what strength do you mean? It's a bit of a communist rant here. It is not the strength of guns or muscles. Wealth is the product of man's capacity to think. Oh, I love this line. I'm going to read it one more time. Wealth is the product of man's capacity to think. Wealth is the product of man's capacity to think. This, like, I have this highlighted. I have, like, uh, put it away. I wrote it down in uh, my notebooks. Really powerful statement. Wealth is the product of man's capacity to think, as Ayn Rand says. Okay, back to the speech. But you say that money is made by the strong at the expense of the weak. What strengths do you mean? It is not the strength of guns or muscles. Wealth is a product of man's capacity to think. Then is money made by the man who invents a motor at the expense of those who did not invent it? Is money made by the intelligent at the expense of the fools? By the able at the expense of the incompetent? By the ambitious at the expense of the lazy? Money is made before it can be looted or mooched made by the effort of every honest man, each to the extent of his ability. An honest man is one who knows that he can't consume more than he has produced. Let me say that again. An honest man is one who knows that he can't consume more than he has produced. Like, wow, this, like, this paragraph just, like, Right there, just like so important. I'll just keep going. To trade by means of money is the code of the men of goodwill. Money rests on the axiom that every man is the owner of his mind and his effort. Money allows no power to prescribe the value of your effort except the voluntary choice of the man who is willing to trade you for to trade you his effort in return money permits you 
Money permits you to obtain for your goods and your labor that which they are worth to the men who buy them, but no more. Money permits no deals except those to mutual benefit by the unforced judgment of the traders. Money demands of you the recognition that men must work for their own benefit, not for their own injury, for their gain, not their loss. The recognition that they are not beasts of burden, born to carry the weight of your misery, that you must offer them values, not wounds, that the common bond among men is not the exchange of suffering, but the exchange of goods. Money demands that you sell, not your weakness to men's stupidity, but your talent to their reason. It demands that you buy, not the shoddiest they offer, but the best that your money can find. And when men live by trade, with reason, not force, at their final arbiter, it is the best product that wins, the best performance, the man of best judgment and highest ability, and the degree of man's productiveness Productiveness is the degree of his reward. And the degree of a man's productiveness is the degree of his reward. This is the code of existence, whose tool and symbol is money. Is this what you consider evil? But money is only a tool. It will take you wherever you wish, but it will not replace you as a driver. It will give you the means for the satisfaction of your desires, but it will not provide you with desires. Money is the scourge of the men who attempt to reverse the law of causality, the men who seek to replace the mind by seizing the products of the mind. Money will not purchase happiness for the man who has no concept of what he wants. Money will not give him a code of values if he's evaded the knowledge of what to value, and it will not provide him with a purpose if he's evaded the choice of what to seek. Money will not buy intelligence for the fool or admiration for the coward or respect for the incompetent. The man who attempts to purchase the brains of his superiors, the man who attempts to purchase the brains of his superiors to serve him, with his money replacing his judgment, ends up by becoming the victim of his inferiors. The men of intelligence desert him, and but the cheats and the frauds come flocking to him, drawn by a law which he has not discovered, that no man may be smaller than his money. It this, is this, is this re the reason why you call it evil? Only the man who does not need it is fit to inherit wealth. The man who would, who would make his own fortune. Let me say that again. Only the man who does not need it is fit to inherit wealth. The man who would make his own fortune no matter where he started. If an heir is equal to his money, it serves him. If not, it destroys him. But you look on and you cry that money corrupted him. Did it? Or did he corrupt his money? Do not envy a worthless heir. His wealth is not yours. And you would have done no better with it. 
Do not think that it should have been distributed among you. Loading the world with fifty parasites instead of one would not bring back the dead virtue which was the fortune. Money is a living power that dies without its root. Money will not serve the mind that cannot match it. Is this the reason why you call it evil? Money is your means of survival, the verdict you pronounce upon the source of your livelihood. I, I'll have to read that again. Money is your means of survival. The verdict you pronounce upon the source of your livelihood is the verdict you pronounce upon your life. If the source is corrupt, you have damned your own existence. Did you get your money by fraud, by pandering to men's vices or men's stupidity, by catering to fools in the hope of getting more than your ability deserves, by lowering your standards, by doing work you despise for purchasers you scorn? If so, then your money will not give you a moment or a penny's worth of joy. Then all the things you buy will become not a tribute to you, but a reproach. Not an achievement, but a reminder of shame. Then you'll scream that money is evil. Evil, because it would not pitch hit, pinch hit for your self-respect. Evil, because it would not let you enjoy your depraved, depravity. Is this the root of your hatred of money? Money will always remain an effect and refuse to replace you as a cause. Money is the product of virtue, but it will not give you virtue, and it will not redeem your vices. Money will not give you the unearned, neither in matter nor in spirit. Is this the root of your hatred of money? Or did you say it's the love of money that's the root of all evil? To love a thing is to know and love its nature. To love money is to know and love the fact that money is the creation of the best power within you and your pass key to trade and your pass key to trade your effort for the effort of the best among men is the person who would sell his soul for a nickel who is loudest in proclaiming his hatred of money and he has good reason to hate it the lovers of money are willing to work for it they know they are able to deserve it let me give you a tip on, on, on a clue to men's character. Let me give you a tip on a clue to men's characters. The man who damns money has obtained it dishonorably. The man who respects it has earned it. Run for your life from any man who tells you that money is evil. That sentence is the leper's bell of an approaching looter. So long as men live together on earth and need means to deal with one another, their only substitute, if they abandon money, is the muzzle of a gun. But money demands of you the highest virtues, if you wish to make it or keep it. Men who have no courage, pride, or self-esteem, men who have no moral sense of their right to their money, and are not willing to defend it as they defend their life. 
men who apologize for being rich will not remain rich for long. They are the natural bait for the swarms of looters that stay on the rocks for centuries, but come crawling out at the first smell of a man who begs to be forgiven for the guilt of owning wealth. They will hasten to relieve him of the guilt and of his life as he deserves. Then you will see the rise of the men of the double standard, the men who live by force yet count on those who live by trade to create the value of their looted money. The men who are the hitchhikers of virtue. In a moral society, these are the criminals, and the statutes are written to protect you against them. But when a society establishes criminals by right and looters by law, men who use force to seize the wealth of disarmed victims, then money becomes its creator's avenger. Such looters believe it's safe to rob defenseless men once they've passed the law to disarm them. But their loot becomes the magnet for other looters who get it from them as they got it. Then the race goes, not to the ablest at production, but to those most ruthless at brutality. When force is the standard, the murderer wins over the pickpocket. And then that, that society vanishes in a spread of ruin and slaughter. Do you wish to know whether that day is coming? Watch money. Money is the barometer of a society's vir virtue. When you see that trading is done, when you see that trading is done not by consent, but by com compulsion. When you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal not in goods, but in favors. When you see that men get richer by graft and pull than by work, and your laws don't protect you against them, but protect, the, protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becoming a self-sacrifice, you may know that your society is doomed. Money is so noble a medium that it does not compete with guns and it does not make terms with brutality. It will not permit a country to survive as half poverty as, I'm sorry, it will not permit a country to survive as half property, half loot. Whenever, <clears throat> whenever destroyers appear among men, they start by destroying money, for money is men's protection and the base of a moral existence. Destroyers seize gold and leave to its owners a counterfeit pile of paper. Their, this kills all, ob, all objective standards and delivers men into the arbitrary power of an arbitrary setter of values. This kills all objective standards and delivers men into the arbitrary power of an arbit, arbitrary setter of values. Gold was an objective value, an equivalent of wealth produced. Paper is a mortgage on wealth that does not exist, backed by a gun, aimed at those who are expected to produce it. Paper is a check drawn by legal looters upon an account which is not theirs, upon the virtue of the victims. Watch for the day when it bounces, marked, account, overdrawn. 
When you have made evil the means of survival, do not expect men to remain good. Do not expect them to stay moral and lose their lives for the purpose of becoming the father of the immoral. Do not expect them to produce. When production is punished and looting rewarded, do not ask, who is destroying the world? You are. You stand in the midst of the greatest achievements of the greatest productive civilization, and you wonder why it's crumbling around you. While you're demanding, while you're damning its lifeblood, You stand in the midst of the greatest achievements of the greatest pro productive civilization and you wonder why it's crumbling around you while you're damning its lifeblood, money. You look upon money as the savages did before you and you wonder why the jungle is creeping back to the edges of your cities. Throughout, throughout men's history, money was always seized by looters of one brand or another whose names changed, but whose message remained the same, to seize wealth by force and to keep the producers bound, demeaned, defamed, deprived of honor. That phrase about the evil of money, which he amounts with such righteous recklessness, comes, comes from a time when wealth was produced by the labor of slaves, slaves who repeated the motions once discovered by someone's mind and left unimproved for centuries. So long as production was ruled by force and wealth was obtained by conquest, there was little to, con little to conquer. Yet through all the centuries of stagnation and starvation, men exalted the looters as aristocrats of the sword, as aristocrats of birth, as aristocrats of the bureau, and despised the producers as slaves, as traders, as shopkeepers, as industrialists. To the glory of mankind there was, for the first and only time in history, a country of money. And I have no higher, more reverent tribute to pay to America, for this means, a country of reason, justice, freedom, production, achievement. For the first time, men's mind and money were set free, and there were no fortunes by conquest, but only fortunes by work. And instead of swordsmen and slaves, there appeared the real maker of wealth, the, the greatest worker, the highest type of human being, the self-made man, the American industrialists. If you ask me to name the proudest distinction of Americans, I would choose because it contains all the others, the fact that they were the people who created the phrase to make money. No other language or nation has, had ever used these words before. Men had always thought of wealth as a static quantity, to be seized, begged, inherited, shared, looted, or obtained as a favor. Americans were the first to understand that wealth has to be created. The words to make money hold the essence of human morality. Yet these were the words for which Americans were denounced by the rotted cultures of the looters' continents. Now the looters' credo has brought you to regard your pr proudest achievements as a hallmark of shame, your propensity, I'm sorry, your prosperity as guilt, your greatest, your greatest men, the industrialists, 
as blackguards and your magnificent factories as the product and property of muscular labor, the labor of whip-driven slaves, like the pyramids of Egypt, the rotter who simpers that he sees no difference between the power of the dollar and the power of the whip ought to learn the difference on his own hide, as I think he will. Until and unless you discover that money is the root of all good, you ask for your own destruction. When money ceases to be the tool by which men deal with one another, then men become the tools of men, blood, whips, and guns, or dollars. Take your choice. There is no other. And your time is running out. Well, that was intense. <laughs> um, this is like literally my favorite part of Atlas Shrugged. Um, I believe this speech alone will be part of the things that I get back to like every now and then and reread and reflect upon with great focus and appreciation. It's kind of like one of the things that assists you to resets, reset your own compass to what is like, what is actually true and meaningful and what, what is true value. And hopefully, like this uh, topic, top, this topic of like money and what it represents, what it means, how you can create it, how you can exchange it, how you can like be proud of making it, is the essence of how a person can lead a meaningful life. And. On this note, let me just wish you like a great year, a great 2024, where you can just like live the best life that you can, be the the best person that you can, provide the world with as much value and help others as much as you can, and capture maybe some of this value in the form of personal wealth that will that will allow you to attain your uh, freedom and independence and personal personal sovereignty, which I, I believe is the ultimate goal of human beings. Thank you so much for listening, if you stayed this long. And, well, let's see if we can get another episode uh, done, hopefully in the near future. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.